0: Well, welcome to The Crossing and Happy New Year. I don't know how long you can say Happy New Year, but uh, this will be the last time I say it to you this year. Glad that you are here. And if you came for the first time at Christmas and you're just now coming back, we're so thrilled to have you here and glad that you're a part of this. We're starting a brand new series today called Encounter. We are walking through the life of Jesus. But before we jump into that, I want to celebrate some highlights from Christmas. We had the largest attendance in the history of the crossing over Christmas. We had almost 9,200 people who were a part of our services. And uh, this number, I think, is even better than that one, is we had 49 baptisms. People surrendered their life to Christ, were baptized. And so I want to thank you for... Making bold invitations. Some of you took those boxes, you put cookies and donuts in them, and you delivered them for your incredible generosity as we're reaching this valley in this world for Jesus Christ and for the hundreds of volunteers who helped make all this happen. We had some volunteers who volunteered all six services for Christmas, so we have the best volunteers in the world. And one other thing I want to let you know about we are five weeks away from the launch of our Southeast campus. Our vision has always been to reach our valley, not just to be at this location. And so we are five weeks away from launching this brand new campus in the southeast part of the valley. We have 150 volunteers who have already signed up to be a part of that. We have hundreds who are going. Maybe you're thinking about going. But here's my ask for everybody in this room, for every single one of us. I want to ask that you would pray every day from now until we launch this new church for this new campus and I am serious about this I want you to put a reminder on your phone put a post-it note on your mirror that we need our entire church praying about this we're excited about what God is going to do how God is going to move in this and the new campus is going to is going to launch the week after the Chiefs win the Super Bowl on February the 12th it'll be a great day for us well this is the season of self-improvement This is the season where I want to make myself a better version of myself, you want to make yourself a better version of yourself, and so usually church attendance is up during this time of year, that health food is big during January, that the gyms are crowded. For those of you who normally go to the gym, you can't wait till February, because all these people will go away for another year and you'll have the gym to yourself. And this is that, the time of year where we begin to ask this question, how do I make a better version of me? And that's not a bad question. You know, I, I hope you lose weight. I hope you eat better. I think you should get out of debt. I think you should spend time with your family. But I want to, us to ask a different question. I want us to ask a better question. Instead of doing something new, I want us to become something new. That if all of your resolutions are about doing and not becoming, then you're going to end up in the same patterns that you've always been. And the better question is this, is how do we become more like Jesus this year? How do we become more like Jesus this year? We're going to look at a story today where Jesus calls the first disciples. Jesus calls these four guys to follow him. And you would expect Jesus to say, follow me and I will make you more disciplined. Follow me and I will make you more spiritual. Follow me and I'll make you smarter. I'll make you a better husband. I'll make you a better wife. I'll make you richer, more organized. But Jesus doesn't say any of those things. He just says, follow me. Because here's what Jesus knows. Jesus knows that the closer that you get to him, the more your life will change. And the same agenda that he had for his disciples is the same agenda that he has for you and for me. And so over the next few months, we're going to go on this journey that I believe has the potential to change your life. We're going to go on this journey to get up close and personal with the life of Jesus. And we're going to use the gospel of Mark as the backdrop. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. Or if you've never downloaded the Crossing app, would love for you to do that. We always have all of the scriptures we use, all of the main points, our videos, all kinds of interactive stuff are on our app and that you can download that. There are four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and each of these are written to a different audience for a different purpose. My brother actually knew a family where they had four boys, and they named those boys Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Bill. I don't know, what about John that they didn't like? But Mark, Mark's gospel, he was not one of the 12 disciples, but he was probably an eyewitness of Jesus, many scholars think that the upper room where Jesus often met with his family, with his disciples, they had the, the Last Supper there. Many scholars believe that that was owned by Mark's mother, and so Mark was probably an eyewitness. There's many times in Mark, and I'll point a couple of them out to you on this on this journey where Mark actually interjects himself into the story that he says that there's a guy, and scholars think that that was actually him. But Mark gets his information about Jesus from Peter. It's written from Peter's perspective. If you go through the book of Mark, you see that nothing happens in which Peter is not present. And Mark has a very specific agenda in writing his gospel. It's identity and purpose. The first half of the book, the first eight chapters, is all based on the identity of Jesus, that he is king over everything, that we're going to see that begin to unfold. And then the second part of Mark is his purpose in dying on the cross, his identity and his purpose. And before we jump into the scripture that we're going to look at today, I just want to show you how Mark begins to show Jesus' purpose from the very beginning. Now, Mark is it's the shortest of the gospels, and Mark does not start with the birth of Jesus. He just dives right in to the ministry of Jesus, and he starts with the baptism of Jesus. And look what it says here. Let me read this verse for you. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Well, we're pretty used to the Spirit of God being represented as a dove. We see that all the time in imagery. But in Mark's time, it had never been talked about except for one other time. It was not that common. In Judaism, there's only one other place where the Spirit of God is associated with the dove, and it's a creation. Look at the very first verse, verses of Genesis. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Literally, the Hebrew word is fluttering over the waters. What Mark is doing is he's pointing to something, and he's showing that God is doing something new. Because in creation, we have the Trinity. We have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember, God says, let us make man in our own image. We see the Trinity at creation. And then we see it here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. the first time we see it all together again. That Jesus is being baptized. The Spirit is descending and the Father is speaking and this is my Son. And what Mark is deliberately pointing out is that just as God was present in the creation of the world, now the same Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is involved in the redemption of the world. Mark wants us to know this is something new. God is just like he created everything here. Now God is redeeming everything here. Like I said, Mark is the shortest of all the Gospels. And he presents Jesus as always being in a hurry on a fast pace. That you will read throughout the, the Gospel of Mark. He uses the word immediately. Jesus immediately went here and immediately went here. We're going to start in verse 14 in, of chapter 1. And this is what Mark 1.14 says. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is saying, God is doing something new. God is doing something new and if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. And what Jesus begins to point out from the very first words Jesus speaks in the book of Mark is that there is something different about him and all other religions. There's something that sets up Christianity different from all other religions. See, other religions give advice. Be kinder. Be nicer. Be more loving. Be more disciplined. Christianity, it is news. There is something that happened in history. It is news. Other religions say this is what you have to do in order to connect with God. The gospel says this is what has been done in history to connect you to God. Other religions say this is how you have to live in order to earn your way to God. Christianity says this is how Jesus lived and died to earn the way to God for you. See, Jesus' core message is to bring the good news. Jesus' core message is to proclaim this good news God is doing something new. God is ushering in something new. Well, going on here in verse 16. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Well, I want you to understand the significance of what is happening right here. And to help you understand this, let me explain it this way. If you're a parent... One of the worst jobs of being a parent is trying to help your kids get good grades. I mean, it's just terrible. I remember when my daughter was in high school, she had this huge project, and she waited until the night before to begin. Well, I looked at this, and I thought, you're going to flunk this project, which means you're going to flunk the class, and so I did what probably many of you parents have done. I stayed up most of the night with her, helping her get her project finished. When she came home a few days later, I said, so what grade did we get? You know, how did we do? (laughs) Ironically, this is my daughter who is now a teacher. You know, so she is a kindergarten teacher molding these young lives. So if you're a parent spending nights up with your kids, there is hope for you. There's hope for you. Well, the reason that it's important to get good grades in high school so you can get into a good college, the better the grades you get, the better college you can get into. And so usually in your senior year, you'll begin the application process. You'll begin applying, you'll write this essay, you do these college campus visits where you go and visit where you want to go, and your hope is that you'll get accepted into the college of your dreams. Now this year, Princeton was named as the number one university in America. And thousands of top students, thousands of valedictorians all applied to go to Princeton. And only the top 7% get accepted to Princeton. I mean, it's pretty hard to get there. Now, imagine that you've dropped out of college and you're working in the family business and the president of Princeton shows up on your job and says, I want you to come to our school. That's what's happening in this passage. That's what's going on here. In this culture, you had rabbis and you had students. And students chose rabbis. Rabbis didn't choose students. See, the pupils, they would find a rabbi that they wanted to follow, that they wanted to study under, and they would approach the rabbi and they asked, May I be your disciple? May I follow you? May I study under you? What you say, I will say. What you do, I will do. How you respond is how I'll respond. Where you go is how, where I will go. May I be your disciple. And the rabbi could say, follow me. But that just didn't happen very often. Most of the time they would say, no, you don't have what it takes to be my disciple. Go home, work with your father, get married, have kids, and hope that they can one day become a rabbi. Well, here in this story, Jesus does what no other rabbi would do. See, these guys are working the family business, which means that they weren't good enough to make the cut. And Jesus goes to these guys who will become part of the 12 disciples, and he says, I choose you. He goes to these guys who weren't good enough to be accepted by any other rabbi, and he says, follow me. You remember later on where Jesus told his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. Nobody else would do that. I chose you. It goes on here in verse 18. And it says, at once they left their nets and they followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus chooses us. Jesus chooses the ones that no one else would have chosen. He chooses us. See, Jesus didn't say, if you're willing to fill in the blank, you can follow me. If you're willing to stop, you can follow me. If you're willing to start, you can follow me. If you'll just do this three times, if you'll just check the box, no. Jesus just said, follow me. And it was the same invitation that Jesus extended to all kinds of people, to all kinds of people in all kinds of walks of life. He just said, follow me. He didn't say, what do you know? He never said that. He didn't say, do you believe? He didn't say, are you a Christian? He just said, follow me. And here's what Jesus wants us to see. What Jesus wants you to see is very clearly is this is religion says, change and you can join us. Jesus says, join us and you will change. Do you see how drastically different this is? See, I think this reality has the potential to change some of the way you interact with God. It, It has the potential to change your relationship with God. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line of today is the closer you get to Jesus, the more your life will change. The closer you get to Jesus, the more your life will change. The disciples took a step to follow Jesus. They had no idea. At this point, they had no idea where it would lead. They had no idea that God would use them to change the world. They had no idea that people would name their children after them. They didn't know that. They just took a step towards Jesus. They just took a step to move towards him. And I love this story because that's exactly what I've done in my life. In my life, I've just continually, my entire life, just taken the next step. Just taken the next step. I had no idea I would ever do what I'm doing or be where I am. I just took the next step. Just wanted to be close to Jesus, just taking the next step. See, there's three stages in following Jesus that are in this story, and I think every one of us in this room are in one of these stages. Here's the first stage. It's the invitation stage. It's the invitation stage. This is the stage where Jesus invites you to go on a journey, to take a step towards him, to know him, to spend time with him, to learn from him. See, there was crowds who came to surround Jesus because he just taught like no one else taught. Look at the scripture just a few verses down. It says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. There was something about Jesus that was so captivating that people wanted to learn from him. They wanted to hear from him. Following Jesus begins with learning from Jesus. It's taking a step towards him. See, maybe your New Year's resolution, maybe the resolution for you is just to come back next week. Maybe for some of you it's the the commitment that I'm going to be a part of this entire series in the book of Mark because I want to get close to Jesus. For some of you, you just need to begin to read your Bible on a daily basis. Make it part of your daily life. Just download the YouVersion app and start with reading the book of Mark. Just a chapter a day. You don't have to read the whole Bible this month. Just take a chapter a day and start reading through the book of Mark. Some of you have questions, and you have all kinds of questions. Here's what's cool about Jesus is Jesus was never bothered by people who had sincere questions for him. He was never bothered by that. We have an environment here at the crossing that we we call Alpha, Alpha is this group that we offer here for anyone who has questions about Jesus or about the Christian life. And there are no questions that are off limits. The first stage is the invitation just to get closer to Jesus. Invitation just to start following. Here's the second stage. It's the leave your net stage. It's the leave your net stage. Look at these scriptures we looked at before. It says, at once they left their nets and they followed him. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. See, they left behind what they most identified with. Their nets represented their career. It was their livelihood. It was their money. Their nets represented their family, their social class. It was their identity. And they leave their identity behind to take on this new purpose. This is the stage of total surrender. That's what this stage is. It's complete surrender. See, you think, well, they must have never fished again because now they have a whole new identity. Well, we know by reading the Gospels, these guys would fish again. And they did continue to have relationships with their parents, but it was no longer their identity. Their identity was total surrender to Jesus, all in. Here's what Jesus would later say in Luke chapter 14. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Does that bother you? Because that bothers me. And you go, I thought the Bible said we should honor our father and mother. I thought the Bible said we should love our wife. We should love people like Jesus loved them. See, Jesus is drawing a line in the sand here. The way that he will say it in Matthew 10 is he will say that anyone who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus does not want to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. And for you, Your net that you need to leave behind, your net probably has something to do with your relationships, your profession, or your money. Your net probably has something to do relationally, professionally, or financially. It's something at work, or at home, or with your money. And here's how you know what it is. It's when those moments when you're praying to God, or every once in a while when you're quiet, there is something inside of you that says, I need to begin. I need to stop. I need to change. See, God's trying to get your attention. God's trying to move you to the next place in your life. And it may not be something bad. It may not be something bad in your life, but God is nudging you to change that one thing that stood between your relationship of you and him. It might be as if the voice of God is speaking to you, not in an audible way, just as you begin to hear God trying to do something in you. See, the first stage is just the invitation stage to get close. The second stage is to leave your nets behind stage. This is the complete surrender stage. The third stage is to fish for people. So fish for people. Here's what's amazing about Jesus when he called you to follow him, when you chose to follow him, he allowed you to be on his mission with him. He says, follow me and I will allow you to fish for people. Here's what's great about God is he uses you to reach people. God uses your story. It's so powerful because some of you feel so inadequate. Because you know what your past is like. You know what you've done in the past. And it's been a hard time for even to come to church here. And you think, well, God could never use me. It's exactly who God wants to use. Your story is exactly what God wants to use. When we have baptisms over here on Sunday, we have people share their story. And the reason that we do is because we know there's other people in this room who have the exact same story. And you begin to go, if God can do that in their life, then maybe God can do that in my life. See, God wants to take your story, no matter where it's been, and he wants to redeem your story to change people for Jesus. God wants to take all of that stuff from your past, all that stuff that you're ashamed of, all that stuff that you thought that you could never get past, and God says, I can use your story to impact other people for Jesus and to change them. Here's what I found. I found when I was growing up, I went... You know, I was part of a church culture where all of the preachers thought they were perfect or they acted like they were perfect. And what that did is it created a culture where nobody thought that they could be good enough to get to God. Now, the truth is, obviously, they weren't perfect. Many times, there was some underlying moral issue in their life that they were trying to cover up for, so they didn't want anybody to know about it, so they just acted perfect. I made the decision years ago Thought if I'm ever going to get into ministry, that for me, I just made the decision that I would share my struggles and my doubts and my weaknesses because I believe that's where God shows up because when I am weak, He is strong. And I just believe that God wants to use some other people who have struggles and doubts and weaknesses and God says, okay, now you're a candidate that I can use to reach other people for Jesus. God wants to use your story to impact people. And Jesus says, if you follow me, if you follow me, I will use you to accomplish my greatest mission, which is to reach people. For some of you, the follow states for you, it's time to invite someone else on this journey that you've never shared your faith before, but this year you're going to. This year you're going to share your story of how Jesus has changed your life. See, for all of us, there's a next step. There is a next step. Some of you are in the accept the invitation stage. That's your step. That you're going to accept the invitation to get closer to Jesus this year. Some of you, you're on the leave your nets behind stage. There's something that God is speaking into you and you know it's time for total and complete surrender. Others of you, you're in the fish for people. You're going to share your faith. The closer that you get to Jesus, the more your life will change. And so the question is, are you willing to take the next step? I don't know if you've ever had a caricature drawn of you. My dad used to, used to do this. My dad was an artist. And so my dad used to draw these caricatures. And here's the secret of doing this is you take an attribute of somebody and you exaggerate it, you distort it. That's how you do a character. That's what some of you have done with Jesus. You've taken this image of Jesus and you have this distorted image of Jesus. And it's what keeps you from following him. You have this distorted image because of other Christians or people who claim to be Christians And it's been this distorted image that's kept you from following Jesus. Others of you, you've tried to make Jesus into your own image. You have this image of what you think he should be. You have this misconception about what he should do for you or what he didn't do for you. And for you, you've tried to make Jesus into your own image. So you have this distorted image. Because... It's never who he was supposed to be. For some of you in this room, you have known Jesus a long time. You have known Jesus your entire life. You've gone to church. You've been part of Bible studies. But it's been a long time since you've been close to Jesus. It's been a long time. And I wonder if it's time for us just to begin to tear up this image that we've made and to say, okay, God, I want you to do a new work in me. I want to meet the real Jesus. I want to meet the Jesus who's ready to change my life. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to take this next step in following Jesus. You have no idea. If you take this next step to follow Jesus, you will always be glad that you did. But if you don't, you will always wish that you had. I want to pray for you. And whatever your next step needs to be, some of you need to surrender your life to Jesus you've been holding off for a long time. We have a prayer room over here called The Commons. We would love to help you take your next step with Jesus, to pray with you, to come alongside you. We have people in there who, who are ready for you. For some of you, it's, it's total surrender. There is something that's standing in the way and it's total surrender. Some of you, you cannot believe God would use you. And you've created this distorted image of Jesus and he says, that's not who I am. That's not me. I just want you to follow. God, we thank you for choosing us. That you chose us. That we feel so inadequate. Sometimes so ashamed. And you chose us. God, today we want to make a new commitment to follow Jesus. To get close. To begin to deal with these issues in our life that we've never dealt with before. We're ready. God, do a work in us. God, help us to see who the real Jesus is. And what he can do in our life. God, help us to get close. And we pray this in his name.